Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, there's a reason the ultra-wealthy have been investing in fine wine for centuries. Historically stable returns and a lack of volatility make it stand out compared to traditional assets, especially during a downturn. But now you can invest alongside with them with Vint. Vint is an SEC-qualified investment platform that offers shares of the most sought-after wines in the world. So join the thousands of investors diversifying with fine wine and spirits. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Welcome back to another episode of Around the Coin. Today, I interviewed Nader Al-Naji. He is the creator of DSO, Decentralized Social Media Blockchain. His interest in crypto began in 2012 when he mined 23 Bitcoins on a college campus using their electricity. He studied computer science at Princeton, and after that, he worked at uh, high-frequency trading position at uh, D. Shaw, who's an engineer at Google Search prior to raising $133 million for his previous company called Basis, which was building a decentralized dollar. And after Basis, uh, Natter focused on decentralizing social media. So the company was originally called BitClout, a high-profile social app, and now they are DSO. So check out DSO.com or .org. They recently announced a $50 million fund to invest in apps on top of DSO. So great opportunity for people who are interested in building in this space. With that being said, today's show is sponsored by Otter Labs. If you're looking for developers for your startup, an existing company that's running, check out HireOtter.com. Otter Labs focuses on placing developers down in Latin America, in particular Argentina, with fast-growing startup companies. There are over 1,200 developers on the platform at Otter Labs, and frankly, hiring people down in Argentina is great because they're on the same time zone as the U.S., very English-fluent population down there, and they're very well-educated. So check out Otter Labs if you're interested and with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show. I sure did. I had a great conversation with Natter. And uh, please do like and share if you enjoyed the show. We really appreciate that. And on with the episode. All right. All notifications are off and we are running and live. Uh, Natter, I'm excited to dive in with you, man. Um, Mike, thanks for having me, man. It's going to be great. Yeah. Why don't we jump in and talk about DSO? Let's just get right to it. So you are the creator of the DSO blockchain. Uh, what what is DSO doing in the world that's unique? What is it attempting to do? Where do you sort of see the North Star? Absolutely. Uh, so so DSO is short for decentralized social, uh, and it's called that because it's the first blockchain that can really scale uh, the social kind of category of applications. So. If you look at blockchains like Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, or even the more advanced ones out there today, 
Um, all of them are really oriented around scaling financial transactions or decentralized finance or short for DeFi for short, usually. Um, but if you look at what's required to actually scale something like a social application where each person has a profile and they make posts and they follow people, it generates a lot more data that has to be stored and indexed uh, in ways that financial transactions don't. So for example, if I send you money and you send me back money, and we could do that all day long and not really generate very much data. But if we're generating a post, or if I'm following you, or even if I like something, right, those are all uh, pieces of data that have to be stored and indexed. Um, and so um, when I started this project, uh, about two years ago, um, you know, we kind of saw this gap of all the blockchains that were raising money, all the blockchains that were being developed, uh, really weren't going to serve something as advanced as a social application uh, because they can't store and index things in the way that's needed for that. Um, and so started working on that about two years ago, early 2019, got really excited about a blockchain that actually could take us to that new category and disrupt social, which, as we all know, it's a trillion dollar category. And DSO is a very exciting kind of enabler of blockchain to actually go and disrupt it. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably way bigger than a trillion. I'd almost think it's 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 like majority of the future economy, especially. Uh, wh where is it today uh, in terms of the product and however else is meaningful to measure progress? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we basically launched the blockchain publicly in March, uh, this March of this year, so about six months ago. And um, what's interesting is in that short period of time, uh, we launched a blockchain that anyone could build on. We also launched a prototype app called BitClout, uh, BitClout, like clout-like social clout. Uh, and um, you can still use BitClout. It's still out there today. But there have actually been over 100 apps that started building on the, the DSO blockchain since we launched it in that short six-month period. Um, and that's really the vision is actually that my team focuses on making the blockchain this really awesome backbone, the back end, really, that, that everyone can build on. And the application layer or the actual apps and products that people use are owned by developers, entrepreneurs who start companies and build off of that backbone. Um, and so what's interesting is the most popular apps today are CloudFeed and DiamondApp.com. Uh, and so those, that's a mobile app and a, a web app. And both of those are bigger than BitCloud, which is the app that we launched. Um, and so they've actually surpassed that. And um, there are many others that are different that like you, you visit them and they're doing different things. So Diamond and CloudFeed are kind of like Twitter. You go on them, you can follow people, and uh, you can also do all kinds of stuff with money because it's, it's a blockchain after all. Uh, but if you look at uh, another app like Polygram.cc, it's a, it's a website, um, it's actually focused on NFTs and it's focused around showing you very visually all of the uh, uh, pieces of content such that you can bid on them and all this kind of stuff. And so it's really enabling uh, developers to build whatever they want on this kind of uh, uh, common layer, which is the DSO blockchain. Mm. What do you think about decentralized Twitter experience? Is that a realistic, uh, inevitable direction we go towards? Or how do you sort of see? Because on one hand, you can certainly store the data decentralized is what you're focus on uh, but will there be is there does there have to be or do you think there should be or how do you see the moderator role playing into that twitter has effectively a uh, totalitarian uh, dictatorship over their platform because they built it but is that going to change or how do you see that shifting yeah so um you know obviously today you have kind of three companies you know uh facebook uh, Twitter and TikTok that kind of control 
a huge portion of what we see online. Um, and I don't know that decentralized social is necessarily inevitable, but I like to say it's asymmetric uh, in, in that it's, 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 you know, fortune is in favor of uh, decentralized platforms. Um, and the reason is actually quite interesting, which is that um, Twitter and all of the uh, other incumbent social networks are based on ads, uh, an ads-driven business model where they keep a monopoly on content and they show you ads in order to, to monetize that content. Um, and what's interesting about that is it kind of forces all of the innovation to happen within those companies. So an example, if Twitter uh, had another kind of front end, someone built like an entrepreneur, let's say in India, built a front end that's local to India that is off of the Twitter firehose. That's actually, Twitter can't tolerate that in the long term because they would lose advertising revenue to that other front end. Um, and so what happens is you see this consolidation of the effort into uh, kind of a top-down, um, you know, centrally planned situation uh, in each of the, in each of the little, uh, in each of the companies. And so what you have when you have all of the content on a blockchain, when you have all the posts and profiles and follows and all that stuff on the blockchain, um, is that any, in, anyone in the world can build on it. And every app that actually gets traction makes all of the other apps on, on the network stronger. Um, and so just to give you an example, when you make a post on diamondapp.com, that actually shows up in bitcloud.com and cloudfeed. And when I talk to entrepreneurs who are thinking, oh, should I build on DSO or should I build on, you know, like this other blockchain, that other blockchain, the biggest selling point is that you can bootstrap a like big pool of content. And when you have your own feed or anything like that, and someone makes a post, it shows up in all of the other apps, you can refer people back. Uh, so cloudfeed actually got big by putting a like posted on cloudfeed, uh, you know, thing in their posts. Uh, and so because it shows up everywhere, it kind of sends people back. Um, and What's really interesting is if any one of these apps does really well in attracting users and, and, and kind of blows up, that actually strengthens the entire ecosystem in a kind of snowball network effect, you know, uh, kind of way. Um, and so that's why I say it's asymmetric that decentralized social is going to win, because if you have any app that takes off, uh, you know, suddenly everyone has to build on that blockchain that that app, you know, that that social blockchain that the app took off on. Uh, whereas if you look at traditional social media, because everything is closed and it's very zero sum, you know, if, if a competitor to Facebook like Instagram launches, that's going to kill Facebook unless they, they actually go out and buy it. And so traditional social media is kind of fragile to competition, kind of stealing their users away. Whereas in decentralized, uh, decentralized model, uh, everyone actually gets stronger in a very positive some way. And so it's, I, I like to say it's anti-fragile or it's asymmetric that decentralized social is going to win for that reason. I'm, I, it's, it, on one hand, I completely understand you. And on one hand, I don't at all. Uh, on the portion where, so if I'm on BitCloud, that, that application that I'm using built on the DSO, uh, uh, DSO foundation or the DSO protocol. Blockchain. Yeah. Blockchain. I, I'm not seeing other applications there, right? Or am I somehow being advertised so, or shown? How would, yeah, how does it strengthen well, other apps? Yeah. So for example, right, uh, when you, um, you know, let's say you use uh, Coinbase, right? And you withdraw your Bitcoin from Coinbase, uh, you send it to another exchange, uh, you know, that is all happening on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? And so all the other exchanges kind of know, okay, he moved it from Coinbase to here, from there to there. So it's this common pool uh, that everybody can see and build on. And that's how Bitcoin kind of got integrated into all these exchanges, 
that interoperate with each other, DSO is extending that to content and posts. So when you post on bitcloud.com, uh, that's going onto the DSO blockchain and all the other apps can see that post and serve it in their feeds. God. So for example, diamondapp.com can see that post and surface it. And uh, so for example, Cloud Feed is just a, a mobile app that kind of has a, it's a Twitter-like mobile app built on the DSO blockchain. They actually, when you post on CloudFeed, again, it shows up in BitCloud and Diamond, and they put a little referral back to their app, which was really smart and caused them to grow a lot. Interesting. Um, I almost think of it by analogy as uh, if you're going into a, uh, say, a, a hotel, you can go into each different room of the hotel and say there's uh, something going on in that room. You can walk in and you have your same identity and you walk out and you go to another room, you're, you're in the blockchain, uh, the, the hotel being the blockchain, and you're carrying your same identity, your, your address, and you're moving around and you're sort of experiencing different social networks or rooms uh, for the time being, but you can kind of move in and out of them. And collectively, the more people in the hotel, the more fun it is, the more, the more of a party yeah. it is. Is that? And that's, yeah, and that's a really great analogy where it's like, like you're saying, when you move between different rooms, different apps uh, that are built on DSO, you're taking your whole identity and all the posts you've made and all the follows and all that stuff with you instead of having to recreate it every time, you know, every time you move to a different app, it's all just there. Uh, and you can choose to use as much of it or as little of it as you want, but it's just a huge decrease in the barrier to entry to creating a social app and also for you to enjoy an app that's built by someone who's not one of the big three tech companies uh, in social right now. Yeah, that's really compelling. It's also nice to not have to create a new profile every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So do you think of, is DSO, this may be an obvious question, but DSO has a com competitors in other blockchains. Is that the right way to think of it? Or is that how you sort of think of it? Well, what's surprising is actually uh, DSO is really the only blockchain on the market today that can actually store and index posts, profiles, follows, likes, these things that generate data, uh, like I mentioned. Um, and all the other blockchains on the market are going after kind of the financial transaction use case, that DeFi decentralized finance use case. And there's not a single one that's really built from the ground up for this. We've been working over two years on it, and it's kind of the only game in town Again, knock on wood, you know, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say uh, in terms of competitors, you know, it's really, uh, you know, the centralized social networks. Um, but even then, you know, there's an interesting story about how maybe they could integrate DSO uh, and actually, you know, make money off of that integration, which is very interesting. Do, so. do you think that, do you think there is a smooth transition from centralized Twitter? Like if Jack Dorsey's sitting there and I know he, he has obviously think, thinking about this, he's very bullish on Bitcoin in specifically. Do they have a relatively clear product path from where they are now? Centralized servers, probably on AWS or their own servers and then moving towards decentralized backend or what is decentralized? What is decentralization? look like for Twitter? I mean, can they do that? Or is that just, yeah? It, it, it's a great question. Uh, and I think the transition is, is probably not going to be super smooth. Uh, because when you're an ads-driven business model, you're all about monopolizing content, not letting anyone build on it, and making money via ads. Whereas when you're building on a, an open platform, you need a new business model that's instead based on gathering fees from monetary transactions that, that people are doing. Um, and so something that we actually didn't talk about is 
you know, why would someone want to, you know, build on a decentralized social network? Why would someone want to use a decentralized social network, right? Because after all, you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have a 10x, probably a 100x product like these days, uh, you know, you're not going to get any users to come over. Um, and so what's really interesting is uh, when we, back when we were early, when we were starting this early 2019, we kind of looked at the market and not only felt there's a hole in terms of what blockchains are capable of and what blockchains are being built to do in that storage and indexing of posts, but we also felt like there was a hole on the product side um, and a need for products that actually merge money and investment with social media in a more integrated way. Uh, and so the first thing that I did once we kind of recognized, okay, we can definitely build, you know, a 100x better blockchain for this use case, I went and studied every single uh, attempt that had been tried to mix money and speculation and with social media. Uh, and, you know, so I studied Steam, uh, Scent, Bihu, you know, there were Roll and Rally around back then and so many others, uh, and really felt like if you have a business model that instead of being based on showing ads to your users, instead it's based on creators, uh, you know, selling things or earning tips or uh, having a coin associated with their profile, which is another thing that DSO lets you do, that can actually not only make orders of magnitude more money for creators than what was possible before uh, in that, in that ads-driven business model, but it can actually create a tighter relationship with their fans than what's been possible because basically when you have money involved, you can put a weight on how much you like things. Uh, you know, people can support you much more aggressively and you unlock so much activity that, that hasn't been possible before. And so DSO, you know, that transition from traditional social media based on ads, you know, again, I, I think it's very asymmetric because the business model that all the content is open uh, and anyone can build on it, uh, not only has every developer in the world able to build on it, but also has these new kind of business models based on money uh, and based on investment that weren't possible before with the traditional payment system because it was basically too kludgy and it wouldn't work for these kinds of use cases. That's super interesting. So right now there's a big gap, right? If you have a million Twitter followers, it doesn't mean you're making any money. You know, you, you probably don't have an easy way to monetize that. And there, there's companies that'll pay you to tweet things uh, on Twitter in particular. I think it's more established on Instagram, you know, where you have a little sponsored by a Red Bull or something, but it's not directly monetizable, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it feels like the inevitable way that it, it started. You'd be able to directly contribute to, to people who have, is there a, a direct income as soon as you had a, a million followers on uh, decentralized social media, say Twitter, you are the equivalent of your, how, how would that mechanically work? Would the people who are following yeah. you um, have to pay a subscription or you'd like use it on the site? Yeah, I'm kind of... Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a great question. Uh, so just to be very concrete, uh, you can do basically anything with money on DSO, right? So it's not limited to anything. But uh, the use cases that really have come up and been really interesting, uh, the easiest one to understand is actually what we call diamonds. Uh, so diamondapp.com, which I've mentioned, has a like button, which doesn't give you anything. It's just a like, just like a normal on Twitter or whatever. But to the right of the like button, it has a diamond where you can actually, uh, well, if you just press it, it gives a penny. Uh, but if you hover over, it actually gives anywhere between a penny and a thousand dollars. And what's funny is uh, for every three likes you get, you get about 10 cents in diamonds on average. That's just people giving. 
Uh, and it's because it's just so easy to give. It's just, hey, like whatever, I hit this button. And if someone gives you $10, you know, that actually averages out to like a lot of money, even for someone like you or me. And so everybody, even like my friends who aren't well known or whatever, they join a, a DSO app like Diamond uh, and they come to me and they're like, dude, someone gave me a dollar. What the, what, what's going on? You know? Uh, and so that's, and by the way, diamonds are actually, th- that's the least kind of moneymakery thing. Um, the next biggest is NFTs where you can take any post and actually turn it into an NFT, uh, an image and text. And then it's an auction and, and people can do series or a lot of people just come on and they sell their first post as an NFT. They make thousands of dollars if they're well known. Um, and then of course, uh, there's yet another, uh, the biggest feature that makes people the most amount of money is having a coin associated with your profile that anyone can invest in. Um, and these are just some of the, the things that have kind of cropped up, right? Again, you can do anything with money, which is such a big canvas, but those alone have made creators, you know, the coins, especially hundreds of thousands of dollars or a few creators who have made over a million um, off of those. Yeah. Uh, who, who's the, what's the, what's the leading platform now that, that utilizes this technique of having coins be associated with people? I, I really like diamondapp.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also a desopulse.com, uh, where it's just purely focused on the trading of the coins. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think they used to be called BitClout Pulse because, uh, we had a, we didn't name the blockchain the right thing before, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I think those two platforms are great for trading of the coins. And then, uh, if you're interested in NFTs, there's polygram.cc and nfts.zone like nftz.zone and they have different features they're they're kind of different but that's the beauty of it is this diversity in how you use social but again it's portable you bring that identity all all the stuff that you have there with you in each app it's all just there yeah what do you think about that idea of having a coin tied to you as a person is that it feels a little black mirror-esque i'm trying to think of what the negative downstream repercussions of that are in some way i guess you're more incentivized to just boost your token so overtly, uh, or maybe it's so quantitative and how we measure each other. I don't know. I, it, it is nice on one hand because you can so easily monetize your content, but whatever we do, there's always some price to pay. Well, it, first, it's completely optional. I mean, so you can, you can have a profile on DSO through any of these apps and not have your coin uh, you know, turned on or whatever. Totally optional. Uh, but um, what's really interesting about it is there's a lot of a lot more positivity to it than you'd think. So, um, for example, um, the number of people who I've had come to me and tell me they met through a coin investment is really big. So basically what happens is if you like something on Twitter, you kind of like it. You're like, OK, cool. Looks good. Whatever. That's it. And, and you know, it doesn't really go anywhere. But if you see something that you really, really like on an app like Diamond, uh, you can invest in that person. And it's kind of like putting a weight on how much you like like it and how much you believe in them. Uh, and so what happens is people will invest in someone and that will just be so novel, like they'll be like, wow. And then that person messages you and you have a friendship that kind of comes out of the fact that you had a way to express how much you like them that's, that's deeper than, uh, you know, a single like. Um, and then another uh, interesting thing that happens when you have this ability is... When people become invested in you, they actually support you on a much bigger level than you would expect. And so most DSO apps, you know, like Diamond Cloud Feed, all of these others are really positive. Uh, and they're surprisingly positive, especially given that the, you know, like, you know, early on, you know, you kind of expect to attract people who are 
really divisive or kicked off of other networks or something like that. But it's kind of the opposite where, uh, again, I think because you have that ability to invest in, in and support each other, the bias is to being nice and to, to, to helping people grow because you're aligning in a way that hasn't been possible before. Um, and of course, most important, like not even most importantly, but just really important is uh, a creator can take a fee of every person who buys their coin and make a lot of money, you know? And so, so a lot of creators, I think two dozen or more have made over $100,000 and a couple have made over a million on, on just that. So uh, yeah. optional, but I really think it's, it's got a lot of positivity to it that goes underappreciated. Totally. If you think about all the time that people spend on social media and they're getting value from that in some way or another, they're getting entertainment or inspiration, whatever they're getting out of it, engagement, they are not paying for it deliberately. They're not paying the content producers. You know, you're generating content on Twitter and you're not receiving anything. YouTube is different. You get a portion of it, but it is not directly to the contributor, the creator of the content. So it, it, it seems like that's the path of least resistance to pay people directly in many ways. Yeah. Well, the, the other something. interesting thing is, uh, yeah, and, and maybe this this also might be an underappreciated thing, which is that, yes, the creator isn't getting very much on that traditional ads-driven business model, but the person who's following them is missing out as well. And again, going back to having a coin associated with your profile, what that enables is, let's say you discover someone who's small, who who hasn't really made it yet, but you see them and you see their potential. You're like, this person could really be something one day. Well, by investing in them via that coin associated with their profile, suddenly, if they become really popular one day, if they grow and become this superstar, you're along for the ride with them in a way that just hasn't been possible before, right? Like, imagine if you met Ed Sheeran when he was sleeping on someone's couch and, like, performing at the local bar, and he had a profile on a DSO app and had a coin. You could go invest in Ed Sheeran, so he would get money from that. He'd get a fee, and that would help support him and, and get him to where he wants to be faster. But then when he becomes really famous and really successful, you've also made money in providing that early support. And so that's just all the stuff that can happen. Uh, and again, it's not just the creator making yeah. money, but it's like I, as the user, the follower, can make money too. That's super interesting. I was actually just talking about this uh, yesterday with my brother. My brother started a company called Cameo, which is uh, like a way oh, you can- wow pay people to give shout outs for influencers and celebrities on social media. And uh, I was asking him about what is Cameo going to do for their blockchain? And, and we were just kind of spitballing ideas. And uh, I was thinking about the idea of how creators are more, how can, how, how can they be compensated more so using blockchain? And this feels like a pathway for people to do that. I, I think it's the, there's so much value created by individual content creators and there's so much money invested in companies. But as, as far as I know, there's not a lot of people focusing on investing in people directly as a company would. You know, I think it's kind of complicated with how you would typically do it. In a company, you issue shares. An investor owns a percentage of the company's shares. As the company grows, the investor makes more money. But with an individual content creator, like, you know, Natter's a super funny guy. He goes on YouTube and makes a b bunch of great videos. He makes money and he turns into 
like a really big name on YouTube, how could somebody have contributed to you early on? They could just give you money, put it in the bank and have a written agreement that you give them X percentage, but it's still pretty offline and clunky and unorthodox. So this, it, it makes a lot of sense how this paves a pathway for people to invest in individual content creators and see the upside down the road, which is a really unique liquidation, like unique way to invest money. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're kind of hinting at even an even deeper part of it, which is that, um, you know, I, I think that today, what you, what can you invest in as a, as an ordinary person? You know, you can go to these companies, you know, on an app like Robinhood and companies aren't really relatable. Most people don't feel like they really understand them, but everybody understands people, you know, for the most part. And so it's kind of a really relatable asset class, uh, that is fun for the person who's investing, but then additionally, can actually help the creator a lot. Um, and then just to touch on a different side of it, which, uh, you know, we haven't really get hit yet, which is, um, you know, there's kind of two reasons why you would buy someone's coin. The first is purely speculative, supply and demand. You know, if there's more demand, it pushes up the price. And so you can make money on, you know, when someone becomes famous or becomes more popular. But there's also a cash flow story that also goes underappreciated, which is that uh, in the future, when there are ways to monetize, uh, uh, you know, even more ways to monetize on the DSO blockchain, a percentage of that can actually be taken and given to the coin, the coin holders as a cash flow or as a dividend. Um, and so this is actually already the case today for the NFTs feature. So if you sell an NFT on any DSO app like Diamond uh, or CloudFeed, uh, you can actually set a royalty that's called a coin holder royalty. And so it'll send a percentage to your coin holders every time that NFT resells. And so you can imagine if Picasso had done this and if he had a coin on DSO, You'd be making, you know, when that painting sells for a million dollars, if he had like a 10% royalty, that'd be 100K going to his coin. And, and, and again, you know, that's really awesome because fundamental investors can value that and actually say, hey, early on when Picasso's young, when he's getting started, if someone sees that potential, he can actually pull forward all of those, those you know, royalties and, and someone will buy his coin at a, a premium and, and fund him to, to get him to where he wants to be much faster than if it took literally until after he's passed away to be recognized. Right. So yeah. uh, that's just kind of the cash flow story really, I think, makes everything more efficient. And, and really what it's kind of like is, uh, you know, unbundling something like Facebook, you know, that company into, you know, each creator's coin and the owners of those coins, which are typically the fans of that creator. Do you think that uh, one of the things you, you said remind me of this, but do you think that the limiting agent or the, the thing that would accelerate more creative people making more things is money? Like if you if you did give Picasso say more money early on, would he get to be uh, as big as he was earlier? Do you, I mean, say, translate that for maybe a YouTube content creator. But are, are, it feels so inexpensive to create content. I I'm probably missing and, and overlooking a lot of what goes into it. But I, I wonder about that. Is it, it are people? If you did give somebody more money earlier, they would create more content because in a company, it's more clear to me how if a company had an extra million dollars early on, they could hire more people, they could buy more ads. It's 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 more clear. But I I assume the same same thing goes for content creators. Well, what's interesting is I I have had the good fortune through you know creating DSO uh, and BitCloud to meet a lot of people who really are creators. Um, and what's really interesting is if you talk to them, uh, the vast majority started as a side hustle, you know, and, you know, for them, their constant question was, okay, like, 
you know, how do I get enough money so that I can do this full time and not have to do my job? How do I make this low risk enough that I can like, you know, like, like get out of this, this, pl- this part of my life where I'm selling my time, something I don't want to do so that I can focus on my passion and convert that money into my passion, right? So I think for, for most creators, when they're getting started, it's really important uh, to get them from the stage where it's a side hobby that they're, you know, tr- they're struggling to support into, okay, this is my full-time thing right now. And even just a few months of like their rent, you know, can get them yeah. to that like a lot faster and, and get them motivated to do it full-time. Yeah, that's a I huge think. part of it. But, Probably rent is the drag. If we didn't have rent, then people could... Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Freaking rent. Uh, I want to ask you, so you raised some money uh, with a fund to invest in more projects. How did you structure... There's a coin. There's a DSO coin. How did you structure that? Was it... Uh, t- talk to me about how you decided it or what were the key decisions that you had to make when creating a token and raising a fund? Um yeah. To- totally. It's a, it's a great question. So uh, if you go to DSO.org, there's a little circle pie chart that kind of shows how many DSO coins are out there. Um, and so basically, whenever you use an app that's built on the DSO blockchain, uh, you're using DSO coins to do stuff. So when you invest in a creator, that's using DSO coins. When you give a diamond, all of it under the hood is DSO coins. Uh, it's getting more and more abstracted away. So there are people who are working on apps where it's like, double tap with Apple Pay, and now you own someone's coin, and you never even saw that DSO was, was involved. But for now, it's kind of like this uh, uh, lubricant or oil on the, you know, that allows you to actually do everything. It's a credits on the system. Um, and so DSO, uh, it's a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Uh, there's 10.8 million in circulation. It's listed now on blockchain.com and Ascendex with other big listings coming very soon. Um, but to answer your question on kind of, uh, you know, how we have money to build the blockchain and all of that, uh, well, if you look on DSO.org at that chart, it shows uh, there's 2 million DSO that's allocated to the founding team, and then 8.5 million that was sold via an initial distribution um, to big investors, but also ordinary people. So anyone, you know, for, uh, you know, maybe like six months since we launched the blockchain could actually go uh, and convert Bitcoin into DSO through this uh, decentralized mechanism uh, and What's cool about that is there were over 44,000 purchases. So it's a fairly uh, widely distributed thing. And no one entity got to purchase more than 5%. Um, and so there are a bunch of big funds involved in that. There was over 5,000 Bitcoin that we got to, to build, the, to work on this project, uh, which is obviously a lot of money. It's like $200 million or something. Uh, and we did have really legit investors involved. So like Sequoia, Andreessen Horowitz, Social Capital, uh, TQ Ventures, Coinbase Ventures as well. And um, so, so we're lucky to have that, but it's actually fairly distributed in that people, ordinary people own, you know, like most of it, the vast, the majority of it. Uh, and so, yeah. So, so even those early investors, they, they bought DSO just like everyone else did and they were limited it, to the 5%. Exactly. And actually for the first, maybe, you know, until uh, maybe a month ago, there was no corporate entity associated with the blockchain. Um, it was actually, again, if you put Bitcoin into this treasury wallet and this decentralized the blockchain literally, the DSO blockchain would print you DSO through this decentralized mechanism. And uh, a month ago, we set up the DSO Foundation as a corporate entity that can use that $200 million to start funding projects, building on DSO, and to support the developers and all of that. 
but um, but yeah, uh, everyone just owns DSO the coin, and so everyone's aligned. Uh, everyone from the big investors like Sequoia to you know ordinary people. Totally. How how is new coins printed, or what's the mechanism for uh, growing the circulation? Well, initially, so there's 10.8 million max, so there'll never be more than that. Oh, okay. The supply of Bitcoin. So there's, yeah. there's no more coming out. Nope. Uh, well, so there's very little. It's 10.5 million now, and there's about 300,000 that goes to mining to protect and secure the network. Uh, but yeah, in total, it's not going to be more than 10.8 million. Um, and when we move to proof of stake, uh, it might actually, which we're aiming to do by the end of this year, uh, it might actually be less than 10.8 million. It would be like 10.7 million or something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. What did you do in the beginning to launch? I mean, do you, in hindsight, do you look back and give yourself an A plus on the launch of the token, or were there things that you made a mistake on that you're like, hey, we should have, I don't know, built a community? I don't know a lot about launching tokens, but I'm curious yeah. to hear what your experience was. Yeah, we definitely made some mistakes. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes, um, but uh, it's really it's it's worked out very well in spite of that, which is good. But um, but yeah, I think probably what's funny is I've been working on the technology here, you know, like te- technology and product, but, you know, really the blockchain, I think, is this enabler, the DSO blockchain. And when we launched uh, in March, we launched a prototype app called BitCloud built on this blockchain. And we called the blockchain the BitCloud blockchain. And we were just like, cool, everyone's going to get it. You know, it, it's just the first app and the, and the blockchain, you know, are called BitCloud. Uh, but actually calling it that confused people and made people not really understand that when they're using BitCloud, it's just a prototype. It's not, you know, like, you know, it's not the thing that uh, is going to end up being what everybody uses. That's actually going to be built by external developers. And most people didn't even understand that there's a blockchain. So this technology that I've been working on since early 2019 was like, no one even knew that it's like, wait, it's this blockchain that literally can do things that no one else can do. It can scale us to this new social category worth trillions. So, we did a thing where we renamed the blockchain. We said it's officially called the DSO blockchain. And we had to do that, again, because the way we launched, we didn't really separate our prototype app from, from the blockchain itself. And that was really helpful. I wish we'd done that earlier. Um, and um, I think, uh, you know, me being anonymous is another thing that was controversial because I started out operating under a pseudonym named Diamond Hands. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> Great name. People call me in. Yeah, it's good and it's true. Uh, I don't, I don't sell anything ever. Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty much, yeah. Uh, but what happened was, um, I was pseudonymous and we, we launched all of this kind of without saying who's behind it. Uh, and there wasn't a corporate entity or anything. And people got confused and the, the press kind of started saying like, wait, who's behind this? This looks sketchy and things like that. I think it helped decentralization where a lot of developers, I think, felt empowered by the fact that this really is like, you know, the ones who did understand that there's a blockchain here they can build on, which was a lot, you know, we have over 100 apps being built. Uh, I think it helped that I was pseudonymous because it's like, this is really something that's going to be decentralized, not monopolized. And uh, so I think it helped from that standpoint, but created a lot of confusion. And so also about a month ago, I went out and put my identity, you know, fully behind it. I, I doxed myself, as they say. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I don't know if I would go back and do it differently, uh, but yeah. that's just something that I think got the project uh Maybe it made it it's interesting or, or something. Interesting decision. Because I can see clearly like the skepticism from people who are, don't really understand the technical part of it. And they're like, well, this guy is not a, we can't trust him. We know who he is or girl or who knows who it is. The, the upside to being pseudonymous is that people, people 
who are contributors to the, to the blockchain into the early development, they feel that you're not going to be taken out, that there's not a risk of, uh, you know, if the top guy goes out, then, you know, the project is going to fail. Is that generally speaking, the, the kind of the same idea behind the uh, Bitcoin Satoshi? He's like, well, I'm going to become uh, pseudonymous here because no one's going to come and get me. No one's going to, you know, and not, not as if that actually does take down the blockchain, but it maybe tarnishes the brand and hurts the price and the adoption, that kind of thing. I, I think it's a short-term, long-term kind of trade-off, right? Yeah. I think anything that starts pseudonymous has to deal with, this is sketchy, this is a scam. I mean, look how long it took Bitcoin to escape that, right? Uh, and if you look at the top two blockchains today, Bitcoin is full pseudonymous. Ethereum is like, you know, D Vitalik is the god of Ethereum. And both work, right? They both, yeah. they both work. But Bitcoin took forever to build that trust Whereas I think Ethereum was able to bootstrap a lot more quickly by having Vitalik there. Uh, so it's, it's a trade-off. Um, I personally, you know, I really feel like the best thing for decentralization is not to have a figurehead like you're saying, uh, because people can really, it, it really shows how it's owned by everybody else, which is the important thing. Um, but, you know, I think after Bitcoin, there's so much noise in crypto, so many scams, so many things that are happening that I think to really stand out, from that noise, you kind of have to build a lot more trust than you might have before Bitcoin came out and before all of these this noise came kind of started happening. Um, and so I think it's the right decision for us. Uh, and I think the trade-offs are worth it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Uh, when you started the foundation, is that is that obvious too? I, I assume that came out of your pool. Like you and the, the other founders said, hey, we're gonna take some of our coin, throw it in a foundation to invest in. Uh, future developers. I'm, yeah, talk to me more. Yeah, that, uh, right. Yeah, it, it, it officially today uh, it spends the Bitcoin that was raised. So there's actually five thousand oh. Bitcoin in addition to the two million that's allocated to founders. Um, but uh, we actually may put some of the founder coins, uh, you know, into the foundation as well, just to help it out because you know we have so many coins, and if it put it, if we put it in the foundation, that can actually increase the value of what we have. Um, so that's, that's on the table, it just hasn't been announced. Um, but aside from that, uh, the foundation actually was pretty obvious to me at some point. Um, but we didn't want to create a corporate structure around it until the blockchain was decentralized enough. Uh, you know, really, th there's kind of two pieces to that. So if you have a corporate entity on it from day one, suddenly everyone's asking, hey, wait a minute, you know, when is this thing going to deplatform me? When are the shareholders going to take control and cut everyone else out? you know, like happens with so many other social networks, right? Um, and so it's, it, to me, it's really important that we had that period where it really wasn't, there wasn't, a, 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 you know, a shareholder or anything. And we still have that now because the foundation's a nonprofit, right? So I think that, that, that from that standpoint, it's important. Um, and then from a regulatory standpoint, you know, uh, the fact that this blockchain really was, like, is fully decentralized, it's literally running on thousands of nodes all across the world right now. Um, you know, and the fact that there wasn't a corporate entity that like created the blockchain or that could be like the issuer of a security or something like that, you know, the lawyers thought that that was also strong from a regulatory standpoint. But to be clear, I think that the biggest value comes from that trust in the decentralization uh, and that built be, you're able to build a better community when it's not like a corporate thing. Yeah. How do you decide where to put that cash or the that those tokens, the Bitcoin, I guess? Um, is it, do you have a, 
and this may be public, but do you have a mission statement to say we want to invest uh, 10% per year, or is it completely subjective based on smart people or projects that you meet? Or how do you think yeah. about, yeah, investing that? Yeah, so um, we're super transparent about this, uh, which is that it's currently uh, too centralized. So the, the foundation has one board member, which is me. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to find other board members who can govern it uh, from crypto, hopefully like heavy hitters in crypto. We're talking to a few uh, who we can put on it so that the foundation is actually a, a relatively decentralized kind of actually well-governed body uh, to allocate that Bitcoin and use it for uh, growing the DSO blockchain, but also growing decentralized social in general, hopefully, uh, regardless of whether it's D the DSO blockchain or, or some other blockchain. And so... Uh, the other thing about it is um, we've already actually announced that $50 million of the, you know, roughly $200, $250 million in Bitcoin uh, is allocated strictly to funding developers via the, Oct uh, we, we have this fund we call the Octane Fund. Um, and so, so yeah, so there's, there's $50 million and those checks are going to get written in the next probably few weeks, actually, which is very exciting. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's part of it. But going forward, it's really a governing body of that entity that's going to do it. Mm. Interesting. Can you do it on chain? Or I get, it always has to come to people, right? So it doesn't really matter if it's uh, ultimately, I, I, yeah. I, I think that doing it uh, with you know a foundation that's not for profit, where you pick really good people to be on the board, I, I think that's a good model. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, hard decisions have to be made. Uh, you can you can put things in that process. Like, for example, a proposal can be submitted on chain and then decided by like vo votes of token holders or whatever. And you can always have that foundation hand off to a process like that in the future. But early on, it's good to kind of have the people people power there to be making those weird gray area decisions yeah. before you go full full DAO or you know decentralized yeah. organization. It's kind of interesting if you if you think about it because there's a, there's this is a very common practice to take a percentage of the money raised or the tokens in circulation and then create a nonprofit foundation invest in people building on the on the chain on the protocol or the blockchain. It's very similar to um, I'm thinking like Stripe or Google Ventures or Slack where they have a fund and they it, they raise the fund to invest in apps on their platform. So like you want to build a Slack app. Well, there's a Slack fund of people who manage that fund that will say, hey, you're a smart girl or guy. Let's invest in you. And they're doing it kind of for two purposes. Mainly is to grow the number of apps on, in the network because the more you have, obviously the more valuable the network is or the platform like Slack. But then they have the return on the investment, which is probably the difference between, you know, if you're a completely nonprofit, you're just Giving, you're not a, you're not getting anything in return when you invest the money. It's just purely a grant or a donation. Uh, yeah, so so we're looking at the different models. Uh, we actually have, and and we're actually going to write a blog post about this. Uh, you know, we actually think funding companies with equity in such a way that they can convert into a DAO, like going f after that, uh, is actually a pretty interesting model. Um, we're actually working on a very interesting kind of like two page kind of document kind of like you know how there was this this y combinator safe document that a lot of people in venture use yeah. to raise money we actually think there's an opportunity to create a kind of upgraded version that puts in kind of if you want to convert it into a dao here's how it works here's how the coins distribute to equity holders in the event that you do this 
Um, and so just to add some extra stuff that makes it so easy to just sign a safe, get that person funded with traditional structures that we understand, but leave a really clean option open to go to that fully decentralized kind of DAO where it's governed by the coins uh, uh, in the future. And I'm actually really excited to write something up about that once we get our, our research done. And, and hopefully everyone in the, in the ecosystem and crypto can benefit from it. You know, not just apps building on DSO because it's just such a common need. Yeah, so. dude, that's a great idea. Seriously. Yeah, we're really excited yeah. about it. Yeah, and we're kind of at the forefront because we have these like over 100 projects have applied to be funded by the Octane Fund. And, you know, we have all the money. And, I, and I've spent over 10 million on lawyers in my last company you know, trying to navigate, oh, like, how do you do this compliant with securities law, money transmitter law, and, uh, you know, banking law, and, and uh, FT, you know, CFTC, all that stuff. So it's kind of a great opportunity for me to kind of take that practical lens that I've put on all of that and make it into something that can be used by the whole ecosystem. Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be good. Hopefully helps the world, too. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the point, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, and it seems like such a common... I just had on the guys from the Near Foundation, the creators of the Near Protocol and Foundation. They were talking about the same thing. They have a bunch of money. They're investing in in, in companies or or apps on their protocol, and it's like they don't. They're just they're just giving the money away to the developers, which is great, but also it doesn't feel like the end state of how the foundations should run because uh, you don't have any way of engaging formally with with people grants are great for kind of stimulating people to jump in and and work on something but they're not um what's the word they're not uh completely two-way they're not the the align the incentives are not fully aligned it's like you could just take it and then you kind of do a half-assed job on the project and then you just leave so yeah obviously a huge part of it is screening the projects that are built on there but having that having that in uh like legal document in place as a standard. It's amazing how these documents have a huge impact. Like the convertible note, just the ability to rate, it sounds so simple in hindsight or the safe, but if you have to do an equity round and you're you know, raising $200,000 and two people on a project and you're spending $30,000, $40,000 and it's just not, it's a non-starter for so many people. So li- little things like this do go a huge way. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And- and it came from, you know, we have founders all over the world, too. So someone in London or in Syria talked to, you know, two different founders in each of those countries. They're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't know how to do this. And that's the blocker to them following their dream that they just don't know and they don't have that playbook. So hopefully when you lower that barrier to entry, you can get really more awesome entrepreneurs in entering the game who otherwise were kind of scared just because they didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Would you point people to any particular areas or resources that are crypto familiar and want to get deeper into building? Maybe they have, I'll say they have no idea, but if they have some idea that they want to build or yeah, any, anything well, in particular? Yeah, it depends. I mean, so if you want to build social apps that are enabled by crypto uh, and where you want to do all this fun stuff with money, um, DSO.org is a great place to start. It tells you all about the DSO blockchain. And if you click uh, start building, there's a it's kind of a tiered kind of com- in, in terms of complexity. So there's get started, um, run a node, and then there's like this third one that's like go deep. Uh, and it actually only takes like an hour to get through that document. But you'll understand the whole DSO code base when you do that. Uh, and um, a couple of people we've hired 
came from that document. They found it and just got obsessed with it once they read it. And so, um, so that's a good way if you're thinking about building on, on social. Uh, but for other blockchains, I mean, it's all about YouTube and Googling, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, totally. Awesome, man. Are you active on Twitter or, a, a, or BitCloud or Diamond? What's your go-to? Yeah, uh, Diamond app is my favorite right now, diamondapp.com. And I'm Natter, so you'll yeah. find me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do have a coin. It's turned on. You can invest in it. I get 10% of, uh, of your investment, and it, uh, it's great. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping to have benefits to my coin holders uh, at some point, but there's nothing, there's nothing right now. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I'm on diamond. I also do have Twitter though. So I'm Natter theory at Twitter. And, um, the, of course you need to follow DSO protocol, uh, on yeah. Twitter and just DSO on diamond app. So it's a good name. DSO. I feel like it's, it, it kind of rides off the coattails of DeFi a little bit where it's a four letter D name. It's got decentralized right in it. Decentralized yeah, social. We, yeah. Obviously that's where it comes from. We love it. it it's yeah. our mission and a cool name at the same time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you got the domain deso.org. That's such a great pickup. Yeah. Do you have deso.com? I, I do have it. I wow. do. Uh, yeah. Uh, the foundation, you know, has it, but, uh, the funny thing is that, uh, we felt like org was better. So yeah. even though we own the .com and yeah. you know, we paid a pretty penny for it, <laughs> like we did the same redirect thing. It. Yeah, I know. We had the same thing. Uh, we were talking pre-show, but the company I ran prior to being crypto was Home Hero. And we had homehero.com and .org. And it was a, a marketplace for people to find caregivers for seniors. And the we were, we're for-profit. We'd raise money. But the we had the .org in the beginning and we got .com. We're like, .org just has a better ring to it. You know, it's it's on some level a branding thing, but it works. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I just feel like you know, we want to help the world and just jives better, you know, yeah, uh, with me yeah. personally. And uh, it's fun, man. Cool, man. Well, congrats on all the progress. It's a super exciting project that I, I'm, I'm personally really inspired by and excited for. So wish you guys all the best and uh, amazing things to come. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm really excited. And it's early days, just the beginning. Yeah. So I, I really yeah. can't wait for what's coming. So you guys would be looking for engineers or contributors to the to the develop, developer ecosystem, right? Absolutely. And uh, what's really fun is if you go to github.com slash DSO dash protocol, uh, you can see all the code. You'll get there if you go to DSO.org and you do that go deep. Uh, but uh, our two most recent hires actually were people who were just contributing to the open source platform, you know, to that code base. Uh, again, because 100% of the code is, is public. Uh, both even Diamond App has its code public, uh, which is not created by us, it's created by another, you know, third-party developer. But um, yeah, and so you can contribute there. Uh, but uh, if you want to just apply, there's a jobs link on uh, DSO.org. It actually says save the internet, uh, mm-hmm. which is fun. Uh, <laughs> Love it. So we're looking for engineers uh, and also non-technical, uh, you know, so we're actually looking for a COO. And um, yeah, but that's that's how we're, we're scaling up. Awesome, brother. Well, keep doing your thing. Keep crushing it. Thanks so much, man. Really great to be here. Bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.